Mine's good. Life good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Ooh, welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott. Physically distancing, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, hi. I uh so Anybody that doesn't know, we're we're going into a stay-at-home order tomorrow. So yeah. I did what any good Canadian would do. I went and I bought a hundred-dollar bottle of Scotch today. Wow! Really? Really? Like, uh, oh boy! <laughs> so what is it? It is uh, something sixteen-year-old Aberfeldy wow. sixteen-year-old Scotch. Okay. Look at you. Woo. Yeah. So uh, if anybody wants to know what I'll be doing <laughs> during our stay-at-home order. Now, Scott, how does a stay-at-home order affect your life? Well. Over the past 10 months. How will it change? I think I'll, I will um, like plan my grocery shopping a lot more as opposed to, oh, shoot, I forgot that thing I need to buy. Okay. Because uh, I'm pretty, pretty notorious for just uh, not having one or two things, so I go to the grocery store probably more than I should. Okay, all right, reasonable. And maybe I'll and, get it. Uh, maybe I'll get it delivered today or delivered okay. from now on. So there you all go. Right. There you go. So Otherwise, yeah. So all right. So yeah. Here in Ontario, the provincial government yesterday announced that we will be going into a stay-at-home order. As cases increase here, our neighbors and friends over in Quebec have a provincial lockdown going on. And uh, on the other side, Manitoba's numbers are going down. So, you know, there's some hope out there. Hopefully that that uh, trend continues out there in Manitoba and across the West. But uh, certainly the pandemic has affected the world of curling. That's what we are going to focus on today as more provinces have announced that they are not going to run provincial championships. We also got some news out of Curling Canada this morning about the format for the Scotties and the Briar, which has been, of course, a heated topic in the curling community for a while. We are going to have a bit of a format change this year, which we will get to. But Scott, we thought it'd be worthwhile to go across the country, talk about what's going on in each member association as we look forward to the bubble again on the assumption that it happens, which I'm still not 100% sure that it will. I think that it will ultimately come down to what the World Curling Federation decides. And if there will not be world championships this spring, I don't know if Curling Canada will fully invest and actually go through with the bubble. They do have the ability to pull out about a week before, I believe it is. So there is some time for Curling Canada. Not much, but some as we look forward to these two events. So Scott, just in general, what is your level of optimism for the bubble? It's it's really hard to say. Uh, I mean... It, you're right. It does come down to the WCF. And what is their, they've been making plans like 10 weeks in advance or well, Jonathan had told us this at one point. 90 days. So they've been canceling things 90 days. So okay. we are, we are already in that for the women's. Okay. So as of right now, it's a go. Yes. Again, we'll see. One of your bold predictions was uh, that they would, everything would be canceled until the fall. Is that right? I don't think it was an official bold prediction, but I think that will happen. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, again, all of this is predicated on whether it will happen or not. I think Curling Geek said it best <laughs> today on Twitter when he just wrote, no comment. <laughs> uh, made me laugh. Uh, yeah, like, uh, who knows? But, yeah. Sean, we're... Uh, you know, uh, nominally a curling podcast. Yeah, so why don't we talk hard. about talk about curling? 
Yeah. So let's go. We're going to go east to west, talk about what each member association has done and what we're looking at. It was interesting that over the weekend, Scott, there was a story that came out that I believe it was Gregory Strong, a CP story where he quoted Colleen Jones rather extensively after Nova Scotia had announced that their cancellation of the provincials. And she was saying that this was really hard for her personally for a variety of reasons, which we'll talk about when we get to Nova Scotia. But also this notion that this year, these are purely TV shows. They're only being run as TV shows. And it doesn't have that same sensibility of a national championship that the Briar and the Scotties usually have. So it, it does lead to this question of how do we assess it? I mean, one of the things about the national championship and one of the reasons why I have continued to advocate for the format the way it is to some degree is that everybody in the country can sign up and try. And this year, that's not the case. Yeah, uh, that's not the case. It's it's super interesting because... Uh, I was thinking about this earlier this week that curling is, is what I would call the most democratic of sports, right? Literally anybody can sign up in Canada for uh, playdowns to go towards nationals. And in theory, you could get off the couch and win a national championship. Yes. Uh, and, and I, I really, really love that about the sport. That's if I was describing curling to somebody who didn't know anything about it, that is one of the things that I would emphasize in, you know, my five minute pitch is that really anybody can do it. And, you know, in the years leading up to this, really since the Olympics became a thing, it's become increasingly less democratic, right? As we have the separation between the pros and Joes, as Mike Fournier calls it. Yep. And, and it, yeah, it won't feel the same this year simply because it, you're right. There's, some people that by circumstance won't be able to go because they didn't get the chance and by other circumstance weren't able to take time off work. It's like uh Kristen McCarville's team. Right. So right? didn't want to, yeah. didn't want to do the bubble thing. Yeah. So it, it will feel very different this year again, assuming that it goes forward. So let's start with the most Easternly province as we go East to West Newfoundland and Labrador. Interestingly, Easternmost province, also the province that's got, I haven't been able to find anything. I, I haven't seen any formal announcements out of Newfoundland and Labrador of what they will do. Brad Gushu will be going to the Briar as Team Canada. So that does open up a spot on the men's side for Newfoundland and Labrador. Erica Curtis represented the province at the Scotties last year. So this was one that I think a lot of folks were looking forward to that men's side. Certainly a lot of teams were going to participate. We saw teams, uh, the Greg Smith team, for instance, brought in a player from out of province. We saw this. We've seen this when Gushu has won the Briar. More teams do enter that Newfoundland Labrador play down. So we're not sure as of the recording of this episode, what will happen out in Newfoundland and Labrador. But we do know that Newfoundland and Labrador will have Brad Gushu there at the very least. Yeah, yeah. So right now, the both the Scotties and Tankard are scheduled the 25th to 31st of January. So that's at the end of the month. Um, from what I've heard, the, the COVID situation in Newfoundland is very good. Uh, right now, pretty steady. Like they've they've been away in that part of that Atlantic bubble, and you know, for the last couple of months, been sort of alone uh, in their own sort of isolation. So doing pretty well out there, and and I do expect those events to run at the end of the month. Yeah, so we'll have representatives from the Rock there at the end of the month. So let's move over to the other island province, Prince Edward Island. Scott, they're running forward with their provincial championships currently scheduled for January 27th through the 31st. Don't think it'll take that long though, as only two teams signed up on both the men's and the women's side. So it's a one V one on the men's side, the great, the legendary Eddie McKenzie taking on Blair J and on the women's side, Suzanne Burt will play Darlene London in the matchups there to represent Prince Edward Island. All right. And is that going to be a, a two of three? 
I haven't seen a formal announcement yet. Uh, the deadline was this past week. And PEI Curling tweeted out that these are the teams and they said that the event would likely be shortened from what was anticipated. No word yet on the format yet, but I would anticipate a three out of five would be my guess. Yes, like uh, like the Russians do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's uh, Sean, it's going to be held in O'Leary uh, in Prince County, Prince Edward Island. Do you have a guess within 1,000 people of the population in the 2016 census for O'Leary Prince Edward Island. I'm going to say within a thousand. Yeah. Um, 2,700, 815. Wow. Okay. So Big you event. threw me off when you said thousands. That was on purpose. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm sure it's a nice little club then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to follow some results. Yeah. And uh, Suzanne Burt on Twitter said that they're hoping that they will be able to stream their games out. Hopefully that mm-hmm. is the case. Always fun to watch Suzanne Burt, particularly over the past five or six years, as she has just turned into total offense all the time. Doesn't matter what the score is. Rocks are going to be in play with Suzanne Burt. So hopefully we can we can see that. And I'm not familiar with either of the two teams, uh, Blair J or Darlene London. So a couple new teams to pay attention to out there in Prince Edward Island. So let's move on over, take the ferry to Nova Scotia, where the Nova Scotia Curling Association has canceled the provincial championships. They have announced that Jamie Murphy or Team Jamie Murphy will represent Nova Scotia at the Briar. Of course, they won the provincial championship last year, but Jamie Murphy himself has withdrawn from the event, citing work commitments and the inability to quarantine on both sides of the event. So Jamie Murphy himself will not play, but his team will be there. So it's always fun to see them, but a little disappointing that Jamie Murphy himself can't play, Scott. Yeah, it seems like Jamie Murphy is the one that bails his team out at the end of every uh, end with a crazy shot, right? If they're going to score, it's mostly because he did something pretty amazing. So uh, it's tough. That's tough. Don't uh, yeah. give them as much uh, as much chance. Yeah, uh, especially last year after the third really struggled. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But a very experienced team in their own right. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll hold their own. And, and I would say expectation maybe a little lower for what we would normally have for Jamie Murphy. But in you know, not a team that you would expect in the playoffs, regardless. So it's too bad, certainly. Uh, but it's not going to necessarily shift the balance of power at the Briar over on the women's side. As we record this, Jill Brothers has been given the invitation to go from Nova Scotia Curling. Haven't seen a formal announcement of her acceptance yet, but that's where the invitation currently is. As we record this, I think Scott brings up a little bit of a question of how Nova Scotia came to this decision. Because if you remember last year in the Nova Scotia women's final, it wasn't necessarily a great game, but it might've been the most fun game to pay attention to in the provincial playdowns because all four members of the great Colleen Jones team from the early 2000s were involved in that final. Of course, Marianne Arsenault winning the game with her team, Uh, of younger players, Christina Black, now skipping that team. They were going up against Colleen Jones and Kim Kelly, who was throwing four stones. And then, of course, Nancy Delahunt was on the broadcast call for it. So it was a a lot of fun to watch that game. So whereas other provinces in cases where the champion couldn't go have offered the spot to the runner-up, Nova Scotia decided to go with Money List and Jill Brothers won more money on tour last year than did Colleen Jones. So they decided to send the invite over to Jill Brothers. Yeah, and I think it was actually this year's money list. Uh, They won that uh, Dave Jones uh, event at the Mayflower Mayflower Club in late October. Uh, So I've looked on Jill Brothers' Twitter, and she has an article in the Nova Scotia... In the Chronicle Herald, uh, yeah, from December, right? 
December 5th, I think. So it was just after the bubble was announced about her questions for the bubble. Now, Sean, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't uh, subscribe to the, uh, the, the Chronicle Herald uh, paper. So I couldn't read the premium content, but uh, based on the, the headline, which is not written by whoever writes the article, right. You know, she might uh, be thinking a little, a little more closely about uh, what it's going to take to be able to participate in this bubble. Now, in my opinion, Sean, I think this is a real miss from Nova Scotia curling to say to Marianne Arsenault, I know you abandoned us for BC. <laughs> I get it. It's nice out there. But why don't you like get back with the back with the ladies and just run it back for one more time? I mean, why not? Well, yeah, Who says right. no? Maybe the new fourth player on uh, on Christina Black's team. But well, well so know, this is this is interesting to consider, right? Because Christina Black, it's actually only two members of the team who are still together. It's Christina and I believe Emma who are still playing together. Marion Arsenault out in BC and the other member of the team isn't with them anymore. So mm. Nova Scotia curling cited the rule, which is the curling Canada rule for team Canada's to come back that you have to have three members returning. That team doesn't. They offered up Christina Black did if the other member of the team could come back, not Marion Arsenault could come back as the third person, as a one-off reunion type thing. And Nova Scotia Curling, according to the reporting that I've seen, said no to that offer, that the Mm. team had to be playing together this season. So this seems to be a Nova Scotia Curling thing. I got to say, though, if I'm Nova Scotia Curling, I I, I mean, yes, that team was good, obviously very competitive. I say to Marianne Arsenault, Colleen Jones, Kim Kelly, y'all played against each other last year. If we're going to have a one-off reunion, get Nancy Delahunt, run it back. Let's do this. Ooh, get her out of the broadcast booth, right? Say, hey. For one week. Why not? Now, Sean, um, no, I won't say that. Uh, <laughs> never, never mind. Yeah, Never mind. Uh, Keep going. But, but I do think, though, that in thinking about this, that Colleen Jones, I have to expect that Nova Scotia Curling – ran this by her before that they talked to her and that Colleen Jones wasn't interested in playing in the Scotties. Remember last year, I believe the reason that they played in the provincial Scotties was as a tune-up for the senior championship. And it's so I, I don't know if she would be all that interested in going to play. I don't know this for sure, but given how important she has been to curling in Nova Scotia, and how much of a presence she is still in the sport, I would think that before this decision was made, somebody put in a call to Colleen Jones to get her feeling on what the association should do. You you would think, right? But uh, things don't always work the way that you think they would. So Not always. uh, I mean, some input, for sure. I, I wouldn't say they would offer her the spot, but input, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if Jill Brothers, we like Jill Brothers. She's been there before, very competitive team. We'll see Mm -hmm. if they end up taking the spot that has been offered to them. So let's move on over to New Brunswick, Scott, where it is a TBD, the situation in New Brunswick. They have postponed the two events, but no official word yet. I believe they are hoping that they will be able to play parts of New Brunswick went into the orange zone uh, in their categorizing of the zones out in New Brunswick. So they were not able to play as scheduled. I think they're hoping either to move the event or that the situation will stabilize and the region will get back under the orange zone. So no official word yet. Last year's champions were James Grattan and Andrea Crawford if it comes to that situation. But as of right now, nothing official out of New Brunswick. Yeah, Sean, did you listen to the two girls interview with James Grattan? Yes, it was very, very good. Highly recommend. Yeah, Yeah, so did he say, I haven't listened yet. Uh, Did he think say anything about uh, this year's event? He he just basically talked about the uncertainty of it. So Mm -hmm. uh, it was recorded before the end of the year and basically just saying that they were going out, they were practicing, 
and playing a little bit as much as they could in the Atlantic bubble. Things have been a little clear. Our friend Nancy White, her club finished last week when she lives in Miramichino. They played on last Tuesday night, and then the club shut down as Miramichi went to Orange. So Mm -hmm. clubs have been open. People have been playing. And he basically on the show just talked about how hopefully something can happen, but wasn't really counting any chickens, if you will. Yeah, the uh, the the tankard was scheduled for Miramichi uh, February ten to twenty or ten to fourteen. Uh, so and with the Scotties scheduled for the end of January, uh, they're usually a couple weeks ahead uh, yeah. with Scotties play down. So uh, that one was scheduled in Moncton. So I f- figure both of those places have gone to Orange now. So yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah, so a total wait and see out in New Brunswick. Let's move over to Quebec which is currently scheduled to hold its provincial championships January 28th through the 31st. And as of right now, what I could find is that they are hopeful that the situation in Quebec becomes tenable for them to hold the provincial championships. Again, that's sort of a TBD situation. If it's not able to be held and they go with last year's champions, it will be Alec Bedard and Noemi Verreau who both teams we enjoyed, they weren't very successful in terms of winning games, but they were entertaining at both the Scotties and the Briar last year. But as of right now, Quebec is holding out in the hopes that they will be able to run a championship. Definitely fun to watch both those teams, right, Sean? And I mean, we live next door to Quebec. I know a lot of people that live in Quebec. Even if they're able to somehow, you know, get together for a, sh- a small event, nobody's been practicing. So no. I, it doesn't make any sense to me to to hold any kind of provincial event. Uh, apologies to Mike Fournier and his team. Uh, apologies to Mark Homan. But, you know, just just uh, acclimate and send away. Now we, now, we don't know that they would necessarily send last year's champions. They could do what Nova Scotia did and look to a money list or a points list, given the the records that the teams had last year or if, if they wanted to. But certainly based on everything coming out of the province right now, it's not looking great for the possibility of running a championship as we sit here in the middle of January. Well, Sean, they'd have to play all their games uh, during the day because uh, it can't be out past 8 o'clock. Because of the curfew, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'll say this, you know, we live very close to Quebec, right? I, I walk to Quebec in normal times every weekday uh, as that's where I work. And when they went into the curfew last week, I got one of those emergency notifications that's usually reserved for severe weather or the alerts when children are, are missing, um, the Amber alerts. And I was a little surprised that I was included in that notification last week well for the number of (laughs) quebec license plates i've seen driving around the last uh, week or so uh makes sense yeah so uh let's shift over our home province here our home member association i should say in ontario no provincial championships will be held this decision was made pretty early by the ontario curling association as we mentioned off the top a stay-at-home order issued yesterday by the Premier, which would have extended into this championship even if they had hoped to run it. So the decision was made last month that last year's champions will represent Ontario. That will be John Epping and Rachel Homan, who will wear the red and black of Ontario. Rachel Homan, of course, pregnant. And there is some questions as to what her schedule would look like after the Scotties in the event that they won and in the event that the two Grand Slam events run as currently scheduled. But as we sit here now, the plan is for Rachel Homan to skip the team at the Scotties. Yeah, that's the plan. And to be honest, like I can't um, I, I can't see anybody squabbling with this too, too much, except maybe Scott McDonald. Uh, but again, like these guys haven't been able to practice to the extent that they would normally be able to practice and play. So 
in this in this case, I think it makes a lot of sense to send a quote unquote pro lineup out of Ontario. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's not a situation where the justification is totally offline. These two, these are the two teams that won. Ontario is not the only province that has gone with this as the criteria. So, you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of covered there uh, in, in a way. Uh, same situation up north where Brad Jacobs is going to represent Northern Ontario at the Briars last year's champion. As we talked about previously on the show, Krista McCarville and her team declined the invitation from the Northern Ontario Curling Association, citing their work commitments and again, the need to quarantine on both sides of the event. So instead, Krista Burns and her team, which were the runner up last year, they will go, they will wear the moose in Calgary. Yeah, obviously, Sean, disappointed to not be able to see Krista McCarvel's rink compete uh, bronze medalists last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, at the very least, playoff team, uh, perennially a playoff team when they get there. Uh, it'll be a bit of an uphill, uphill battle for Krista Burns, but it will be a good way to gain some experience. Uh, they've also got Amanda Gates as their lead, uh, who used to play with Tracy Flurry uh, and has a few Scotty's appearances under her belt. Yeah, it's always good to see fresh teams at uh, these events. Obviously, if you were to talk to Krista Burns, I'm sure this is not the way she wanted to to earn that entry. You know, you always want to win that, get that Purple Heart by winning your provincial championship. But certainly, it'll be a, a fun experience for them to play in the Scotties. Absolutely. All right, let's shift west over to Manitoba. Again, this decision was made in the end or at the end of 2020. Manitoba will not hold their provincial championships. They are going to send the on the men's side the defending champion Jason Gunlickson. On the women's side, they are going to send the runner-up, which is Jennifer Jones. And of course, the reason they are sending Jennifer Jones is that last year's provincial champion, Carrie Anderson won the Scotties, and she will be there as Team Canada. Yes, uh, exactly, exactly. So uh, Jennifer Jones, you know, was there as the wildcard team last year. Um, You're not going to be surprised uh, to see Jennifer Jones at at an event like this. Uh, They will not have Don McEwen, I don't believe, for this event. Sean, when when the bubble was announced, did you read if fifths are going into the bubble too or no? I don't think there was a formal, I don't think that was included as a formal announcement. I would be stunned if they didn't have fifths though. Yeah, because they do so much uh, when it comes to reading the ice. and No, but also like if someone gets sick, if you have symptoms, you're not going to be allowed out there. Like even if you just have a a little cough, they're going to shut you into your room. So you're going to have to have fifth players. Three-man curling? Three-player curling? I, I, I'm i here for it. I but, mean, we've, uh, we saw it at the 2014 Scotties, and I believe Kessa Van Osh and her team won a game with three, with Kessa Van Osh not actually participating in that game. She was one of the members who was sick. But yeah. it's such a struggle to do that. It was like oh, they, they came off the ice after that game, and I was down in the media area, and they were just exhausted. Like most curlers, when they come off the ice, even after a win, they look a little tired. They look just completely gassed after that game and uh it it would be unfortunate if a team had to go with three just because of how hard it is at that level yeah and especially a 10 in the game right like uh, yeah 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 we've uh we've been playing some three-person games in the club this year and even then uh when i swept you know five rocks per end I was like, "Oof! I need, two, I need two masks. Uh, <laughs> switch them out halfway through." Like, ugh. so yeah, it is. It is really tough. Uh, but where I was going with that is that we'll get our first look at Lisa Weigel as yeah. uh, the full-time lead for Jennifer Jones. So uh, it'll be cool to see that and to see, you know, Lisa Weigel executing those tick shots. Uh, I don't know. It'll be it'll be weird. It'll be weird to see it when they're when she's up against uh, Holman's team, especially. Oh yeah, and that will be a primetime game, and it will be the feature game. I'm going to say, depending on what pools, how the pools work out, if they're in the same pool, it will be the uh, Wednesday night game. This is my 
bold prediction for that. How's that? Ooh, uh, I, like that. I, like I that. say that just because that's what they did with the Kathy O Jennifer Jones game. So <laughs> yeah, but the rivalries Wednesday night. Um, now, Scott, I do think though, Manitoba is probably the one province where it would have been the hardest to make this decision on what to do because it is, I think the most loaded province right now in terms of high quality teams. So for the Manitoba curling association, to go with the defending champions, it's easy to, to say why and, and to justify that. But if you're looking at the roster of teams you could have sent, you could have gone with points from last year. You could have gone with money from last year and gotten different teams. So that is a hard decision, I think, for them to make. And especially with Kerry Anderson having won the Scotties and being Team Canada, it could have presented the opportunity to go with a different criteria for deciding who would represent Manitoba, but they ultimately landed on defending champion. I guess that is the most equitable way to do it, but certainly I'm glad I didn't have to make that decision. Yeah, for sure. And I I think we'll talk a little bit later about the added wildcard teams, but I think everybody will get a chance to play that are in the top three of those provinces. I'm thinking of teams like Braden Calvert, Tanner Horgan, uh, might be the ones on the outside looking in uh, from the Manitoba's perspective. Yeah, but, and on uh, the women's side, you're thinking Tracy Fleury, maybe sort of Darcy as well, but probably not so much. But, I mean, good teams. There are good teams out of Manitoba who could have been considered for this. Yeah. Yeah. And like I say, we'll talk about it, but I think Mackenzie Zacharias might sneak in uh, the junior team there. So yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not only do they have the defending national women's champion, they have the defending world junior women's champion uh, in the province, plus a Olympic gold medalist and a a team that was second in points last year. So, you know, good luck uh, Manitoba curling association, (laughs) but that is the decision that was made. And, and like we said, that's uh, a reasonable decision, I think, that they came to. So let's shift over to Sky of Blue, Ski of Green, uh, our friends out in Saskatchewan. This is TBD as we sit here right now. It was announced in December that the arena event would not take place as scheduled. They canceled the agreement with the arena. There is a hope that they will still be able to have the provincial championships as scheduled somewhere probably in a club as we sit right now we don't know for sure what will happen if they go with defending champions it gets really messy in saskatchewan on the women's side men's side pretty clear you have team dunstone they won last year kirk myers they beat in the final team kirk myers kirk is now of course on that team and Mm -hmm. they have the requisite number numbers to go forward it gets complicated with Robin Silvernagel. That team is not together as they were last year. So only two members of Team Silvernagel are still playing together. So does Saskatchewan go the route of Nova Scotia and pick an alternative team? Last year's runner-up, they beat in the final the great Sherry Anderson. No idea on how Sherry Anderson would feel about going to the bubble in Calgary, but it does complicate matters right now on the women's side in Saskatchewan on the assumption that they cannot run a provincial championship. And it leads to, I think, a very tough decision for Amber Holland, uh, Carly, or Ashley Howard, and the folks out there. Big time, Sean, big time. That's, uh, like you say, it's going to be a real can of worms. And yeah, even you know, even if you offer it to Sherry Howard, does she or Sherry Madaw? No, not Sherry Madaw or Sherry. Howard, those aren't people. <laughs> Sherry Anderson. I guess Sherry Madaw is a person, but uh, yes. Sherry Anderson. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe she doesn't want to risk it. You know, like wh- wh- why why go and and risk something for for what? Maybe a chance to play on TV a few more times. You have told me that she just loves playing, and she just so loves to play. This is her wanting to play and and loving to play. Listen, we're going to take it, right? Uh, We want to see Sherry Anderson on our TVs. Uh, Always great. 
hundred percent. But but you're right. It's uh, ooh, uh, yeah. Let's let's hope there's a way to you know at least have a a playoff between the top two teams in Saskatchewan. But like you say, it's really hard to decide based on points because of the shuffles that we've seen. Yeah. So we'll see what ultimately comes out of Saskatchewan as we shift over to Alberta. The announcement was made this week that Alberta would not have a provincial championship in 2021. No word on who would represent the province at the national championships. And Scott, I believe that that postponement or delaying of an announcement is tied 100% to the announcement this morning by Curling Canada of the additional wildcard teams. I'm calling this the Kevin Cooey rule, but... It's a complicated situation in Alberta, more so I think on the men's side, where you have Brendan Botcher as the defending champion out of Alberta. You have Carson Sturme, who he beat in the final last year. You have Ted Appleman, who we very much enjoy, but Kevin Cooey is the the problem for the Alberta Curling Association, where they probably didn't want to just say defending champion, because Kevin Cooey, of course, was in the Briar Field last year as Team Canada not guaranteed that spot this year. So if you're the Alberta Curling Association, you want Kevin Cooey there. I think if you're Curling Canada, you want Kevin Cooey there. So this, I think, is related to the delay by Alberta in announcing their representatives. On the women's side, Laura Walker won last year. be interesting to see where she is with her team and, and what their plans are. Of course, Laura had a baby in the fall over the summer time doesn't mean anything. I don't, it, it's hard to remember when things happen, uh, but she is uh, a new mother. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. They had made arrangements for Cheryl, I believe to play for Laura early in the season. So we'll see what happens on the women's side. And if there's a situation where maybe Selena Sturme gets a call or, or what happens there. But Scott, as we look at the Alberta situation, I think the announcement today clarifies a little bit where Alberta might go and that we might get an announcement of Botcher and Walker relatively soon. I would think so, right? Uh, Especially with uh, Chelsea Carey's team not being together anymore. Uh, It it seems pretty straightforward for me on the ladies' side. Uh, On the men's side, yeah, I'm sure they want Cooey there, but Brendan Botcher's been in the final the last three years. yeah. I mean, Cooey was in one of those finals too. In <laughs> one of them. Yeah. Didn't, uh, didn't do much last year. Hey, uh, so, <laughs> uh, but, but Kevin Cooey, I think with John Morris, uh, is a team that I'm more interested in watching than, uh, than before. Right. So yeah, I think curling Canada wants that team there. It's a, a star power for them. Uh, and the announcement today does make it uh, seem much more likely that Alberta will announce a defending champion sometime this week. Yeah, so that that would certainly be my expectation as well. So let's cross the mountains and head into British Columbia. Also announced that there would be no provincial championship. We are going to get a redux of last year. Steve Laycock and his team heading back to the Briar and on the women's side, Corinne Brown will be representing British Columbia out in Calgary. Again, not much of a surprise here on either side. Maybe a little bit on the men's side, but it'd be hard to finagle their way into getting Tyler Tardy there somehow, which I think is if you gave the people in British Columbia at BC Curling a little bit of truth serum, it's probably what they would want, but hard to justify, I think. Yeah, yeah, very hard, uh, hard to justify. At this point of Tyler Tardy's career. Like, so we'll get Laycock yeah, there for his, I don't know. It's got to be like, what, mid double digits for Laycock at Briars, I would think. No way. No way. Yeah. I'm going to double gonna digits? Uh, not quite. I would say high single digits. Okay. I'm right. gonna he's been there a lot, though. I mean, he's been there a lot. Jim Cotter, always a favorite. Love seeing Jim Cotter. Great shot maker. Still does the lift release. A lot of fun to watch them out there. Not the greatest showing last year at the Briar, but a team that uh, can really play with most of the teams out there. So no uh, no shame in having Steve Laycock and that team represent your province. And same for Corinne Brown, former 
junior champion in her own right. Uh, they had a good run, pretty good run last year at the Scotty. So it'll be fun to see them back, see if they can improve on that performance. Yeah, for sure, Sean. Uh, this will be Steve Laycock's 10th Briar appearance. Okay. So my apologies. I overestimated uh, Steve Laycock's, but double digits. That's impressive. 10 times. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a dynamic screen presence. It's pretty <laughs> forgiving for you to feel that way. Uh, and then as we head north, we'll head up to Yukon, where Dustin Mickelson's team has been acclaimed as the men's representative for the territory. The women's championship will be held in Whitehorse this weekend from the 14th to the 17th they can play up there so we'll see who comes out of yukon on the women's side wow i i had not uh, heard that result sean uh of the men's side being acclaimed as uh whoever updates wikipedia has not, uh, has not <laughs> that out yet. hey you got to do the deep research you know it's very good research yeah um, all right we'll head on over to the northwest territories they are planning to hold their territorial championship at the end of the month into February in Yellowknife. The news, though, coming out of the Northwest Territories is that Jamie Cooey has withdrawn from the event, citing a rule that the Northwest Curling, Northwest Territories Curling Association put in place stating that yesterday, as we record this, which was the 12th, I believe, was the last day a team could withdraw from the event for whatever reason, including COVID, and not be subject to a one-year ban on competing in territorial championships. So Jamie Cooey wrote a very eloquent letter to the association saying that given the risk associated with the event potentially not going forward, or if one of the members of the team becomes infected between now and the event and they had to withdraw the possibility of not being able to play in territorial events next year was too great a risk for them. He also, it wasn't just on the four person men's game. He of course plays with his sister, Carrie in the mixed events, uh, a little bit of mixed doubles too, I believe. So they play in a lot of territorial championships and the potential of having to pull out last minute of this event and the resulting ban, not worth it to them. This is a stunning rule to me for the Northwest Territories Curling Association this year. I get it in other years, especially in the North, where if teams have to travel, the cost associated with you don't want last minute withdrawals. But this year, I would think is the time to have a little more leniency on that. So I don't begrudge certainly Jamie Cooey and his team at all for withdrawing. I'm just really stunned that this rule is in place and being enforced this season. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to see. Yeah. You know, it's like you say, it's a, a tough rule and I'm sure a lot of people are saying that's ridiculous, but as you say, travel from the North is not cheap. It's not like the Northwest territory curling association has a lot of money. I wouldn't imagine. Uh, and that you they don't want uh, uh, something arising i'm sure if it was a positive covid ta- case that caused the team to withdraw i'm sure that would be fine but i think it's a voluntary withdrawal based on you know what the covid situation is too crazy i'm not happy with the the bubble we're just not going to play I, and i think that's right. this is more intended to deal with uh because like you say if if there's a positive case and they can't play because of that or can't travel because of that i i can't see there being any reason to suspend them but i could see some people on their team saying you know what uh the risks to me are too great uh the work i do uh here at home uh it's not worth it to me to uh, isolate for you know a month uh, between going and coming yep. uh, all, all these reasons so it's, it's tough to see because uh, he has a pretty good young team. Uh, and we did see a couple times last year at the Briar, he, Jamie Cooey stepping down to play third uh, and, and having uh, somebody else step in to skip to give them some experience. Uh, so, yeah, it is, it is unfortunate we won't see them 
but uh, there's still two other teams, I believe, uh, that will compete uh, yes. should that uh, championship be allowed to, to go ahead. Yeah, so we'll keep tabs on what happens up in Yellowknife at the end of the month. And we'll shift over to the last member association, Nunavut. We actually had a championship this weekend. Hey, like in the crazy world, we actually had a territorial championship. Peter McKay beats Wade Kingdon three games to two in a best of five. This was exciting, Scott. Wade Kingdon and his team went up 2 nothing in the series. And then Peter McKay comes roaring back three straight wins for him to take the three to two victory. There were some great photos online, the crowd going absolutely wild. Uh, the crowd was teddy bears, by the way, and uh, just going boncos with this great comeback. But actually we had a championship. So congratulations to Peter McKay and his team. They will be representing Nunavut at the Briar on the women's side, Lori Eddy and her team, the champions of 2020 actually won two games at the Scotties last year. Should have won three. Uh, Should have beat, I believe it was Chelsea Carey who came back on them late in a game that Laurietti controlled the whole way. But a very solid showing last year for Nunavut at the Scotties. It was announced that they will represent the territory this year as well. Yeah, it'll be fun to see Lori back there. Of course, uh, it's always fun to hear about it on the, the Two Girls in a Game podcast. Uh, after the fact, uh, pretty exciting stuff. And I got to meet Lori at the Briar last year. So uh, really wishing our fellow podcaster uh, all the best and to be safe there uh, out there in the bubble. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and then, of course, we have Team Canada, which we've mentioned, Brad Gushu, Carrie Anderson, both will be in the field this year. And that leaves us, Scott, with 15 teams as we look at the wildcard teams, it was announced last month that there would not be a traditional wildcard game, as has been the case for the past few years. Last year, of course, Jennifer Jones beat Tracy Flurry in the women's wildcard game. Mike McEwen beat Glenn Howard in the men's wildcard game. Today, Curling Canada announced that there would actually be three wildcard teams this year. And the way it will work is that the top two points teams from last season will have guaranteed entry, uh, top two points teams that aren't going to represent a member association, and that a third wildcard team will be chosen based on criteria still yet to be determined. So it'll be fun to see what that criteria actually is. So if we look at the points list from last year on the women's side, as it sits right now, would be Tracy Flurry against Kelsey Rock. This is on the assumption that Chelsea Carey doesn't put together some sort of team because if you look at the points last year, Tracy Flurry finished second in points. Chelsea Carey was fifth. That team's not together anymore, though. Kelsey Rock was sixth. Everybody else who's on the points table, Carrie Anderson was first, Jennifer Jones third, Rachel Holman fourth. They're all in the field. So as it sits right now, based on that announcement, barring any other major shifts, we are looking at Tracy Flurry and Kelsey Rock in the field. That's right. That's right. And then the whatever uh, third team, yep. whoever uh, they decide to pick, you know, it could be anybody, I guess. Uh, I, I think it'll all come down to who they pick out of Saskatchewan. Right. Well, uh, so this is again, this is where it gets complicated, right? The next team on the list, on the assumption that Suzanne Burt wins PEI. Yes. Right? That, that, so if Suzanne Burt loses, she would be in if they go with the third ranked team. She was ninth last year in points. So if it gets to the point where Suzanne Burt has lost and they just go with points, it'll be her. If Suzanne Burt wins, the next team on the list is Robin Silvernagel. But again, only two members of that team remain. So how does Curling Canada address that? Do they say we half your points from last year only count? Uh, it would be curious to see how they decide that because the next team up would be Mackenzie Zacharias from Manitoba. That would be a fun team to have in there. After that, you get to Beth Peterson from Manitoba, Justin Murphy of Ontario, Sherry Anderson, Megan Balston, uh, Teresa Cannon, those types of teams. So as it sits right now, the debate 
my guess is going to be between Robin Silvernagel and Mackenzie Zacharias. Any chance, Sean, uh, that Curling Canada pulls a uh, what's good for the game and uh, picks Casey Scheidegger? Uh, maybe. They're local. They're Ish. local. That's it. <laughs> They're pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's a that's a possibility you know it's it's not likely i'd say but a possibility yeah yeah it really all just comes down to what ends up happening in saskatchewan does an event actually take place which would simplify things significantly for Mm -hmm. curling canada uh if there is actually event and if robin silvernegger were to win that then uh, Mackenzie Zacharias, even if you're not necessarily going with points, if you're looking at, you know, the future of the sports or, you know, who's the up and coming team or the quote unquote next best team, you know, you look at the list for all of those things. Mackenzie Zacharias is a really good candidate to take that 18th spot. So I would put my money on her right now, depending on what happens in Saskatchewan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that could all change with Saskatchewan, and it could all change, like you said, with uh, Prince Edward Island. So uh, yes. we'll wait and see on that. On the men's side, Sean, uh, Mike McEwen's team was the wildcard representative last year, and they would also be in position to uh, be the first wildcard team this year. Yep. Uh, then, as we as we mentioned, Kevin Cooey, assuming Brendan Botcher is uh, claimed into the Alberta spot, uh, Kevin Cooey would be next. And the, uh, the the last spot is sort of interesting, right? Because you said uh, criteria yet to be determined. Uh, based on points, it would be um, Glenn Howard's team. Yep. Who we were ninth last year. And, and then who you- played a lot this year. So right. it, it makes sense. But this is where... Like you mentioned when we talked about BC, um, they could maybe give the invite to a Tyler Tardy. Yeah, so if we look at the list, Glenn Howard, ninth, Tanner Horgan, 10th, Scott McDonald, 11th, Braden Calvert, 12th, Kirk Myers, 13th. That doesn't really factor in. Tyler Tardy, 14th. So if you're looking at these teams, that group of teams where this other team potentially could come from, I don't think you're going to go lower than Tyler Tardy on this list to Jeremy Hardy or Karsten Sturme, both out of Alberta. So do you look at a situation and say, well, Glenn Howard on points would be there as the ninth-ranked team, lost that wildcard game last year, or do you yield to a younger team and look at Tanner Horgan, Braden Calvert, or Tyler Tardy? I think that when you look at this, all three of them have had great success at the junior level, and haven't had the same level of success at the men's level, but they're all pretty young in their early 20s. So if, if we look at some of the debates that's been going on about the format, one of them is to encourage younger teams and to have them in the field. Does Curling Canada think about that and want one of these teams in the field? I mean, we've seen Braden Calvert have some good success at the Grand Slams. He's made some playoffs. Tyler Tardy, didn't play juniors last year because frankly he was too good for it almost uh like not like sort of looking down on juniors but his skill level he was just that much better than everybody else the challenge for him was to go to the men's game and tanner horgan should have been in a briar already i should have beat brad jacobs a couple years ago so these are three very very good skips that if curling canada wants a young skip in there it's going to be hard to to choose between the three or do you just say, Glenn Howard, you've been here you know, 400 times. Here's time 401. Uh, he was there last year in that wild card game. Based on points, you do that. It'll be curious. But the fact that they left open the possibility of we're going to make this decision based on a criteria, a TBT criteria, makes me think that they might look towards one of these young teams. Yeah, my, my guess is they'll go with Glenn Howard. But I would love to see... Tyler Tardy there, especially Tyler Tardy because uh, the rest of the rink is so good as well. Uh, not not to say anything bad about the uh, the other two out of Manitoba, but you know we've had enough Manitoba. Let's get some. BC. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get letters now, man. Oh, who cares? Like uh, me, I'm the one who gets them. 
there's nothing else to do in Manitoba but curl. Like, let's oh, give. God, stop it! You're good. <laughs> Jeez. Have you been to Manitoba, Sean? I've been to Winnipeg. Lovely. I've been twice. You know what I thought about it? What's that? <laughs> it was so flat. It was really flat. What do you mean but, flat? When, <laughs> you know, like. You mean like topographically? <laughs> yeah, like uh, nothing to see. Oh, there's plenty to see. There's nothing to block your view. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's stop before uh, Brent Butt uh, sues up for copyright. Yeah, mountains now. over there, rising in purple majesty. Um, but no, I, yeah, I, I've, I've only been to Winnipeg. It's true. I was at the Forks. I, I thought it was delightful, uh, a lovely place. And uh, I've, I've never you know, had anything bad to say about Manitoba. And as we said, Scott, they are right now as we did our power rankings earlier in the pandemic, they're number one right now in curling. I think at all three disciplines, uh, Olympic disciplines of men's, women's, and mixed doubles, you're looking at Manitoba as the center of curling in the country. So it's it's hard for me to, to say, well, there's too much Manitoba in the field because they're really good teams and frankly, pretty entertaining teams as well. So It'll it'll be interesting to see what that decision is, and I'm also curious to know if somebody declines a potential invite, if Curling Canada would announce that, if they go to some team, yeah, you know, either men's or women's side, and say, "Hey, do you want this spot?" If someone were to say no, uh, or if they would just say, "Hey, like our criteria was TBD, so this is who we picked, and or this is who has accepted the invite," it'll be curious to see how they word the announcement whenever it comes down. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So there you go. That'll be 18 teams. It'll be divided into two pools of nine. So Scott, what do you think this means in terms of the overall format? I'm still expecting three games a day because they'll need that time between draws to clear out the competitors, make sure there's no overlap. I don't think you can get to four draws to have that initial pool play go a little faster so with nine teams does it reduce potentially the number of teams into the championship round do we go three and three on each side so that you still get 11 games out of this or what what is your expectation for how they are going to run this with the three additional teams so i would still suspect four and four from each of the pools for the championship round. Uh, But what I would suspect, Sean, is that we might start pool play on Friday night. night. And of course there will be a buy for one team each draw uh, this way. So I would expect, you know, nobody to have to play three, three in a day. But which has always been the case. Which has been always been the case, but uh, there might be some more back-to-backs, maybe some more. Uh, they want to keep the draws separate, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, well, there's going to be, uh, there's obviously going to be fewer two-a-days, right? You're going to have a, maybe an, an additional day of only one game during mm-hmm. the day in that initial round-robin phase. They might also try to cut out the three draws in a row where you play the night draw, morning draw, afternoon draw, or afternoon, night, morning sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it's not three in a day, but it's three consecutive draws. that We've seen that happen to some teams uh, before, and teams hate it. I know that. When they get that type of a schedule, uh, they do not enjoy it at all, especially if you finish in the afternoon and you get the, the night off, and then you have a split day the next day. Like They, they hate that. <laughs> uh, I've had players complain about that before. So maybe try to control that a little bit so that you're not uh, having those consecutive draws as much. But yeah, I agree that uh, the best way to do it you know, is to start Friday night. Probably going to have a Saturday morning draw, which means more Kathy in our life. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, give her a bump, TSN. She deserves it. And uh, then we'll get to that four and four the uh, for the championship pool and then a traditional page playoff when we get to the weekend. Yeah, I wouldn't I, like I wouldn't want them or or think they would invite extra teams just to cut the number of teams early. Like the you know what I mean? Yeah, like cut down to six teams. You know, go from eighteen to six. It seems 
harsh. Right. And, and it would make the championship pool a little less interesting. So in yeah. this, in that type of a format, you would have the afternoon that Thursday afternoon would be the last round Robin draw of the preliminary play. And then you'd have three championship pool games, Thursday night, Friday afternoon, Friday night, because you'd only need to play three more games. But yeah, going from 18 to six and then from six to four, uh, that six to four isn't nearly as exciting. And it doesn't leave the opportunity for tiebreakers uh, if we needed them after the preliminary round play, which we have seen in the past on that Thursday morning where they've had to have some tiebreakers. And I, I don't think there's a scenario in which Curling Canada would want to have a dead afternoon draw. Um, where you play that last round robin Thursday morning. And then if you need tiebreakers, it's Thursday afternoon. That I don't think is an appealing option. If they're going to have empty slots in the schedule, they want it to be mornings. They they want those afternoon, evening draws, especially this year when it is a TV show more than anything else this year. So it's uh, essential to have those. So yeah, I, I would expect, yeah, let's start Friday night. Probably have to add in a draw on Saturday morning as well to get it all in. But yeah, we'll do 18 to eight to four. Yeah, I I think that's most likely. So Scott, as we've gone through the field now, I mean, I tweeted this out from the account a couple of weeks ago or whenever it was that it's a bummer that all this is going on. Obviously, I think to say it's a bummer is putting it pretty mildly that if we have these events and the majority of the teams are, coming back from last year, you know, Colleen Jones in that story I talked about earlier with Gregory strong did mention that it's like, it's, it's leftovers. It's like, you know, it's, it's not the same. It's, you know, going to the dinner table and it's like this, well, we're having what we had last Friday. Uh, Again, there's not Mm -hmm. the same level of excitement for it. And I totally understand that. And I can appreciate that perspective. The only little bit of pushback I would have on that is that last year's fields were great. (laughs) They were really good. They were fun teams. Now, not everyone is going to be there. I mean, the Brian Cochran team was a lot of fun. They were the victims of one of the the Dunstone shots in a morning draw for those great uh, comebacks that they had. So they won't be there, but they were a fun team. But overall, the fields were a lot of fun and that even the teams that didn't move on into the championship pool were fun. They were compelling. It was fun to watch them and follow their stories through the week. So if we have an event or two events where the fields are similar to last year, it's not terrible. It's it's not a case where we're going to have sort of half an event or it's not going to be exciting because if, if, you know, past this prologue, we should be in line for an exciting couple of weeks in Calgary. Yeah, I, I think, that, like you said, the teams and the fields were great. If we can figure out a way to pull this off, it will give me, and I'm sure most of our audience, some much-needed entertainment. Yeah. Um, today I just started watching the series Trust, which is about the Getty kidnapping in the 70s. So that's where I am, Sean. Okay. All right. I need I need some curling in my life. Yeah. I am halfway through the second season of Frasier. If uh <laughs> that's an indication of where I am. Oh my... Frasier is so good. It's not rewatchable though. It, it, or it's not bingeable. It's no. rewatchable, it's not bingeable. Yeah, it's tough. It's uh it's a lot, but it yeah. is so it's a very, very good show. No no question about it. So yeah, a, a little curling in our lives will be fun. And certainly if uh, Suzanne Burt and the folks out in PEI can figure out a way to stream, we'll be watching that. If uh, Northwest Territories, if they can stream that, we'll be watching that as well. And we'll keep our eyes open for what ends up happening in New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, uh, and uh, Quebec. Uh, not really optimistic about Quebec, but the other two, who knows? And if there are events, we will certainly be watching in the event that they're streamed and we will keep everybody posted on how things progress as we look forward to what could be a fun couple weeks of television in the event that the bubble does take place. So Scott, that'll do it for this week, unless you have a gem of wisdom that you'd like to share. Whoa. 
really putting me on the spot there, Sean. <laughs> uh, no, I don't have any gems of wisdom other than, you know, be smart, be safe. Don't do stupid things. Wear your mask. Don't be a, be, be a COVID hero and stay home. Well said, Scott. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back with you again next week. But until then, please do subscribe to the show, wherever it is you get your podcast, do the likes, ratings, comments, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if it's the way in which our stats are taken uh, has changed or if just more people are listening. But uh, some changes in the stats recently, which has been kind of exciting for me to look at. So thank you, everybody for listening. We love the support. We are amazed and, and just in awe that, that people listen and uh, enjoy the show. So we definitely appreciate your support and, and thank you very much for listening. You can let us know what you want to hear on the show. Getting in touch, Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at Game of Stones pod on Twitter and Instagram. Scott is at Scott Likes TV. I am at the Sean Graham where I tweeted about thought leaders yesterday. And, uh, I don't know what a thought leader is, but yeah, I saw that. And, uh, I was thinking of that myself. I I'm not sure I know either. Yeah. So if you know what a thought leader is, you can, you can hit me up over there and do head on over to gameofstonespod.com. All of our past episodes are available there. Plus the link to the t-shirts that are still available for purchase all proceeds going to Food Banks Canada, and we are matching those proceeds. And uh, we're doing that monthly, so we'll do another one at the end of January. So if you get your orders in, we will match it over the next couple of weeks. I don't know if we have a running total, Scott, because a couple months you've done it, a couple months I've done it. I don't know if we've actually coordinated and and have a total, but we should get a total and keep, keep tabs on how much the total donations have been. Yeah, we'll uh, talk offline after we're done here. Yes, so uh, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Stay safe, and we'll be back with you next Wednesday. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice. Don't dump that intern. Make the final...